Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink. Your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. What's up, guys? We have hit the ground running. We've got one down, 13 more to go in our opponent preview series for 2022. Uh, This is going to be our second uh, same place opponents uh, preview episode. And uh, we're moving on from the Houston Texans on to the Atlanta Falcons, who will be our NFC South uh, opponent for this season also finishing third in their respective division last year behind the saints and the buccaneers but ahead of the uh, carolina panthers and um you know back on the show uh we spoke to him two years ago when the bears went down to atlanta and uh that's the the mitch trubisky gets benched game that was the nick Foles is the hero game and it was also unfortunately the Tariq cohen gets hurt uh, either at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth on the punt return, and he has yet to be seen uh, since game uh, as well. So, and of course, we all know what uh, what tragically happened to Tariq Cohen just a few weeks ago uh, as he was preparing himself for hopefully a new team and a new opportunity uh, in 2022 since uh, failing his physical with the Bears and Ryan Poles and company letting him go. So, uh looks like he'll have to wait another season for that opportunity. And, and, and I hope that he's up for it when, uh, cause I, I know that mentally he'll be up for it and, uh, physically I'm sure he'll be ready to go when the time comes, but I hope that it all comes together and that he's still to re Cohen and he's still got a few tricks left up his sleeve and, uh, he can still do some exciting things, uh, on the field. Cause I think he's only like 27, maybe he's still a young guy. I mean, he's still got some good years, left um hoping that the you know those injuries which are some pretty bad ones especially for a guy you know that the acl for you know the explosion in the knee and then of course the achilles for those uh quick moves uh that uh, you know he'll need to use especially with that small five foot seven frame uh, of his but um anyway all the best to Tariq. but uh back on the show to uh talk about these 2022 falcons and the transition that they're in the middle of uh, right now, moving on from uh, Matt Ryan, and now it's uh, Marcus Mariota. They drafted Desmond, Desmond Riddler from the uh, from Cincinnati uh, in the third round. Could he be the heir apparent, or is or are both of these guys just the stopgap between the Falcons, maybe making a move for quarterback next offseason in the draft, or you know trying to find the next Matt Ryan? Maybe maybe they're the team next year that's that's trading away the you know, the future of the franchise uh, to, to bring in a quarterback uh, of their own. So, uh, you know, they, they lost out on the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes and with the, with the, 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 the stack of accusers just keeps growing with him. I think the Falcons maybe dodged a bullet there 
uh, along with the Saints and, and, and the Texans as well. Um, but, um, you know, we talked to them about uh, that um, and them, because I keep saying, back on the show to talk to us, and I tell them who it is. It's Rockin' Aries from the What's Up Falcon podcast, another sports drink uh, podcast. We had them on, like I said, a couple years ago in 2020 when the Bears and the Falcons played uh, week three of that season. So we, we go through the, uh, the off season. We go through last year. Uh, we talk about the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and how they felt about it and um, look forward to uh, 2022. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right in. This is the uh, number two same place opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Episode two of our opponent preview series brings us to our NFC South opponent for the year and in the third place finisher in the South uh, last season was the Atlanta Falcons. And here to help us preview the uh, 2022 Atlanta Falcons, fellow uh, sports drink uh, podcasters, um, Rockin' Aries from the What's Up Falcon podcast. Gentlemen, how we doing? Sure. Doing pretty good, man. <laughs> it's going. Yeah. Yeah. It's of Atlanta. What a players play. Yeah, I I well, dug this up well, on YouTube not for you guys. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You no know, Julio, no Matt. I don't know who's still playing. <laughs> right. Yeah, Matt was the last of them, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, for the yeah. most part. So, I mean, is there anybody left from the Super Bowl team? Uh, we still got Dion and G- yeah. G- Grady Jarrett. Okay. Yeah. Hanging on to Grady Jarrett. I would too. Yeah. Okay. So I was just looking at the schedule from 2021, looking at the results uh, and everything. And I think we can sum up the season by saying if the game was close, the Falcons had a shot. But if it, you know, because every game that they won was a one score game that I'm looking at here. 17 mm-hmm. to 14, 27 to 20, 30 to 28, 27, 25, and so on. But all the losses, 32 to 6, 48 to 25. Uh, well, there was only like, well, okay, 34 to 30. The Washington game seems to be the anomaly here. But it's like more times than not, if it was a double-digit deficit, then the Falcons ended up losing. But if it was a one-score game, uh, you know, Dirty Birds had a shot. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> we had a shot, man. I mean, I wish we would have won that Washington game, the one you, that you brought that out, because that could have, you know, helped us possibly make yeah. a, a look at the playoffs. But, you know, because that would have been if you guys win that game, then you're on a because you win there and then you beat the Jets the week after that. And then after the bye week, you beat the Dolphins. You'd be in, in a four game winning streak with a four game with a four and two record going into that game against uh, Carolina. So yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. um, that nasty stretch with the Cowboys and the Patriots where you lost sixty eight to three in the two games combined. Um, yeah, <laughs> and they were you know that was a a Sunday Thursday thing. So those two uh, those two matchups a reminder yeah, yeah right off the right on the heels of each other there that that was a that must have been a rough week for you guys. <laughs> That's uh, that's no bueno there to uh, watch the teams, but at least you beat the Jaguars the week after that, after the nice long uh, bye rest, and uh, 
Yeah. You better beat the Jacks because I was going to throw a fit. Yeah, well, I mean, with that old Urban, that whole Urban Meyer mess last yeah. year, it's like, you know, the three of us and eight of our closest friends could have given the Jacks a game last year, man. I mean, come on. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, not a good football team uh, but last where year. Where we were in that in last year, we, we really wasn't looking, you know, to really go that deep in the playoffs. Sure. We were surprised sure. at the games that we won, you know. Well, I mean that we had a we is we had a similar feeling last season. It's like you know going into it, and actually, I'll be honest with you, going in through like the the entire off season started with them saying, "Oh yeah, Nagy and Ryan Pace, they're coming back." So great, just put a bullet right in my head right now because that's as far, that's as much as I'm looking forward to this. And then after that was the comedy of every even remotely semi available quarterback on the market was attached to the Bears at some point, whether it was Watson or Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, you name it, uh, Derek Carr. So, I mean, there was even an article at one point talked about Roethlisberger being a possibility for the Bears. Wow. It's like, really? We're doing this now? And then, <laughs> you know, we sign Andy Dalton. We, you know, that we don't really make any moves worth talking about. And it's like, the, like going into the draft, like the offseason was just a bust. There was nothing going on. And then we make the move for Justin Fields. And then all of a sudden, you're intrigued at the possibility of the of the season, we, we you know we got this young quarterback that wasn't supposed to be there that we weren't supposed to be able to get. We right. got him. It's like yeah. well, when nobody's expecting us to go you know sixteen and one and make the playoffs or anything like that or win the Super Bowl, but at least we have this to look forward to now, as opposed to the mess that we were looking forward to before the draft happened. Right. So, yeah. is you know looking back on that, you know mm-hmm. you could have had any one of the. Um, well, obviously not besides Lance and, and uh, you know, Lawrence and those guys that went in the first few. But the fourth pick, that was basically where the draft began last year because it was yeah. it all came down to what are the Falcons going to do because we knew the Jags were going to take Lawrence. We knew the Jets mm-hmm. were going to take Wilson. We knew the 49ers had traded up to get Lance. What do the Falcons do? Do they take Justin Fields? Do they take Mac Jones? Or do they go with, uh, with the, you know, the hotshot tight end, a.k.a. like, you know, the best athlete in the draft? Do they take him? And you know, work from there. Where did you guys sit on that going into the draft? Go ahead, Darius. Uh, right. um, well, I wanted defense. I wanted a defensive player because our pass rush was non-existent mm-hmm. that season. So I, I wanted pass rush. But if if they were to, to get a player, then Pitts was the pick for me. Right. Right. So. And I agree with that. You know, I was happy with Pitts, but you know, like like just like Ari said, uh, pass rush has been our Achilles heel for a w- quite a while now since we had John Abraham. So, oh um, yeah, that's a while ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we thought, <laughs> yeah, we thought we had some winners, but they turned out not to be winners. You know, mm, some just love their grandma a whole lot of too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cussing yeah, on national TV, we holding a picture of Grandma on. Not much to speak of after that, right? Pretty much. Right. But Kyle Pitts was was I think was an excellent choice for us so far. I mean, he did he did quite well. I mean, the the second most receiving yards to a tight end behind, of course, Mike Dicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he turned out to be pretty good. And this year, I don't know, just the wait and see type of deal. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. 
you know, in free agency in the offseason, obviously the big move is parting ways with Matty Ice, sending him off to uh, Indianapolis for some draft picks. Yeah. Bittersweet a, thing because, I mean, you know, was it just a one? Yes. Thought, it was okay. a draft pick. Just the third rounder then? Just the third rounder. No no claws that it moves up or anything. Just oh. flat out third round. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's. I'm straight up for a third rounder. Okay, there you go. But uh, so thoughts on that? I mean, was it was it a bittersweet thing? Was it overdue for you guys? How did how'd you feel about parting ways with him? Well, our fan base, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was it divided our fan base. Sure, because it's, it's either you know you love Matt or you hate him. Right. Me personally, I I'm happy for him because we weren't going to get there. I didn't think we were going to get there with him. We had our spot. Our, our time to get him to the um, Super Bowl and, and, and win the whole thing, it didn't happen. And it didn't seem like the moves were – the pieces that he, he needed to actually get there were being met, and it was going to take a while. And Matt deserves another shot at the Super Bowl. Sure. So I'm, I'm happy for him, and I'm glad it worked out in his favor. I would love for him to have retired as a Falcon, but, you know, I prefer that uh, he has a better shot. Yeah, I see that. I mean, he's he's been traded to a division where at least he has a shot to go to the to the playoffs because I don't think exactly. Tennessee's going to be what they were uh, last year. And then obviously Houston and Jacksonville being what they are, you know, it's right. pretty much their division to lose right, right now. Right. So it's just a matter of, of what they do when they get to the uh, postseason and not do a, a major choke job like Wentz did at the end of the year for the, for the Colts yeah. and losing a game on the road to the Jaguars to cost them a spot. Uh, in the playoffs yeah. uh, last year, so I, yeah, um, that that hard knocks. I, I I couldn't even watch that last episode knowing what, how they played. I'm like, no, nah, I just can't because to see the aftermath of that and how upset set that that whole team would be. Yeah, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, I I didn't uh, was was the was the during was the in season hard knocks any good? Because I I didn't watch it. Yeah, uh, at all. Last it was year. it was it was really good. It was really yeah, good. Call, yeah, an episode or two. Yeah, I'm intrigued this year because it's going to be the Falcon, or excuse me, the uh, Cardinals in the season Cardinals. this year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with the with the way that team the last couple of years has just been like bomb out the gates and then just withering away at the. Yeah. I mean, it's because of the Cardinals that the Bears made this, the playoffs in 2020 because <laughs> they couldn't get out of their own way that the Bears were right. able to stumble their way into getting their asses kicked by New Orleans in the wild card round. And then this, the same thing almost happened last year. I mean, they were the number one seed in the NFC for a stretch. And then as the season yeah. comes to a close, now they're the sixth seed just barely hanging on uh, to get in, or the five seed or whatever they ended up being. You know, when they were the one or the two, you know, it was an interesting discussion, but they just kind of faded away at the end and then just got wasted by the Rams uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with that team if, if, that's, if that pattern holds Again, if they come out of the gate seven and two and they look like one of the hottest teams in the league, and then those last five, six weeks when Hard Knox is in the house and they're fading yeah. away, losing the teams they shouldn't be losing to, uh, that yeah, could make for some interesting it's TV. It's going to be hard to see him start because, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out the first six games. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how they start. So. Um, but you know the, the the you guys you know you part ways with with Matty Ice send him off to Indianapolis and that's obviously going to be a bittersweet thing. Uh, you sign Marcus Mariota and then you draft Desmond Ritter. So right. how are we looking at that? I mean, is this a is this a patch year to maybe draft somebody next season when the quarterback market is richer or 
you know, are we are we happy with Mariota? I mean, is this an Arthur Smith thing because they were together in Tennessee uh, for a bit? I mean, you know, how are we looking at this? I I think that's exactly what it is. I think he's comfortable with him, so Mm -hmm. he's he's going to use him as the bridge. But Desmond Ritter has a very big upside to him. So if he can get it down and learn the book, he could be our future. Sure. So, sure. So, and then um, I got to give you guys props, man, Um, or give Arthur Smith and his staff props. The way that you guys used Cordell Patterson last year, yeah, um, (laughs) that was. I mean, it just it all it just displayed it just put Matt Nagy's shortcomings on display because he was adamant going into the 2019 season. Cordero Patterson's mm-hmm. the guy we got to have. We can do a million things with this guy. He's a Swiss Army knife, and he does everything well. Uh, you know, right. best special teams player in the league on top of everything he can do offensively, run the ball, catch the ball, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We bring right. him in, and we see flashes of that. He's an all-pro on special teams both years in Chicago. And then we got right. him go to Atlanta for a song. Like, yo, it's, it was, uh, as far as like what NFL players make, he made welfare last year when the Bears didn't re-sign him. And then right. he goes out and he's a touchdown machine doing everything in Atlanta that we had envisioned him doing in Chicago, or at least what Matt Nagy said he was going to do in his offense and never got around to doing any of it. So I got to give praise to Arthur Smith and his staff for using Cordell Patterson the way that he was supposed to be and for being right. smart enough to bring him back. And we feel the exact same way. I'm sure. First of all, thank you guys for giving them, <laughs> giving us that gift. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's not like we were in such a salary cap crunch that we couldn't afford him. Right. You know, we had him two years, ten million, so five million per season. You guys signed him one one year for three million. So he took a pay cut to go to Atlanta. It's like we we couldn't give him three point five. You know, it's like, come on, man. He wanted to stay in Chicago, or at least that's what all his tweets said. And now he right, goes off right. to Atlanta, and you know. He was, you know, he should have made the Pro Bowl last year. I thought it was a crime that he didn't. So yes, we we enjoyed him. He actually saved our season. I mean, for as far as the fan base, he's the only thing that gave us any kind of hope. Right. You know, pretty much a one man show. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but we know the age. The age is is an issue. Sure. And uh, and he's coming back, but um, hopefully, you know. I don't think he will be as you will be used as much as he did last season, mm-hmm. but to keep that piece out there with, with everything else we have that we, you know, that we have that we got now, um, it's going to be interesting, you know, very interesting. So was that out of ne- out of necessity? Because obviously he ran the ball a bit more for Chicago in 2020 when Tariq Cohen uh, went down. So we needed to use him in the backfield probably a bit more than I think Nagy was planning on. But I mean, mm-hmm. was it kind of a situation like that? Did somebody get hurt where we had to use Cordell Patterson all over the place? Because I see him saw that he played probably a lot more receiver for you guys than he did for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Well, I don't think anyone was hurt. I just think he played better than what we had. The sure. That, sure. Yeah. And he, yeah, and he he brought a spark to the team. You know, he he gave that fire that they needed. So. Uh, it was a it was a it was a pleasant surprise. No one was expecting anything like that out of him. And once we found out that you know this guy's unstoppable, it's like he's our one man offense pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was a big fan. I was super excited when we signed him uh, going into 2019. I loved what he did for us. You know, it was it was like having a Devin Hester type as far as like being completely dominant on special right. teams, where that's a phase of the 
of the game that you know we're going to excel at, and right. you know we just didn't use him properly in the uh, uh, on the field. I mean, but that's Matt Nagy in a nutshell. I mean, look what he did to Justin Fields last year. I mean, he went out of his way to try to ruin the kid uh, because he wasn't Andy Dalton and he screwed up his plan uh, that he was so adamant about sticking to. So how was your one uh, under Arthur Smith? Is, is everybody warming up to him? Is everybody buying into the the culture and what he's trying to uh, put together out there? It seems that way. I mean, um, at first, you know, we're, we're very fickle here. So, you know, if you come out, you know, you're not winning, then a lot of the fan base, we have no patience after what we've been through. But I think <laughs> things are starting to turn around. I think the draft really, you know, got people more excited. Mm-hmm. You know, night one, head scratcher. But night two is when it starts to come together. And we're like, okay, we can kind of see what he's doing. You know, he's changing up from what uh, Dan Quinn did, you know, because we had a lot of undersized guys. So one mm-hmm. of the biggest things we noticed in this last draft is we're getting bigger guys. Okay. You know, we're getting away from that fast and physical and more like, um, you know, big and physical, tall and physical, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so looking at the uh, the other free agent additions, Casey Hayward uh, follows Mariota from Vegas to, to play corner for you guys. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, defensive end from the Giants, signs on. Rashawn Evans, linebacker from Tennessee. I like him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's coming in uh, for you guys. And then the last half of this list it's all ex-Bears, Damian Williams, Jermaine Afidi, Demir Baird, uh, Nick Witkowski, who is technically coming from the Raiders. But, uh, you know, you, 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 after we let Phil Emery go, you guys bring him on for some kind of front office role. We let Ryan Pace go. He's in Atlanta now. And then right. he brings in all the guys that he stuffed into the Bear roster uh, last year. You, you, you guys okay with this? Or, or you know, how are you feeling about that? You know, it's like what Ari said earlier. It, earlier, at the point that we are now, it's more like you know, wait and see. Sure. I mean, you know, since, since we have such a a good draft, you know, we we graded our draft, you know, B plus or you know, so we see that they're really trying to make changes, bring in some new blood in here, trying to change the culture. Because we really think sometimes the culture was the issue with this team, mm-hmm. and and we kept putting a band aid on it. We kept trying to make it work with what we had with the culture before, but it wasn't working. So that's why we are where we are. And um, so as far as those guys coming in, we're good with it. As long as it, you know, as we can see something, you know, happen soon or we're, we're kind of, we have no choice, but to trust what Arthur Smith's trying to build. here. Well, I mean, and also the caveat is um, those guys played under Nagy in Chicago. So who the hell knows if they, I mean, I like Demir bird. I was so excited when we signed him that we were signing all this speed, you know, with him and Marquise Goodwin. It was like, this is going to be, you know, 88 out the gates, you know, just down. Just, <laughs> we're just going to throw deep routes all day long. We got a right. great deep ball quarterback that we just drafted in the first right. round. It's going to be like playing a game of Madden out there with all the speed we're putting out on the field. <laughs> and then it right. was just slant route, slant route, out route, slant route, out route. So I was like, God damn, what, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? And, <laughs> And and Olin Krutz, former offensive lineman for the Bears, he does a lot of uh, you know analyst work in Chicago now. Uh, mm-hmm. He said something about Nagy that it, it, it rang so true in my head. Everything that Nagy did after he said that went right back to this point. And his point was, I don't think Matt Nagy cares so much about winning so much as he mm-hmm. cares about winning his way. Because right. Right. Nagy would not 
alter the offense to do what his what his players did best. He didn't put his players in the best position to succeed. He tried to wedge them into his system because the system works. He watched Andy Reid run it. Right. You know, the key phrase being there, Andy Reid ran it, not right. him. And yeah, he exactly. just thought, well, the system works. So, you know, that's just all there is to it. We got to run the system and, and all that kind of stuff. So right. um, I'm interested to see what, what you know, because we saw how, you know, what you guys did with Cordell Patterson. Could mm-hmm. you, you know, use Demir Bird to full effectiveness, Damian Williams, uh, and so on, the guys that you brought in uh, from Chicago. So. Well, I think with, with the whole Cordell Patterson thing, I don't think that was kind of like a big plan thing. Sure. I think it just kind of happened. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That was an accident. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was totally an accident. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that was kind of like the story that, that, you know, they were, you brought Cordell Patterson in to be the special teams guy, you know, return some kicks for you, help you with, you know, he's the best gunner in the NFL. So you're helping out with field position either way, whether he's returning the ball or he's, uh, defending it uh, and everything. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, he can also do this just in case. And just right. in case, you know, that glass case, you went ahead and broke it and let him loose and, you know, uh, reaped the benefit. How many touchdowns did he score? I know it was double digits, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think he – didn't he lead in touchdown scored? I think he did, but I don't know the exact number. But I, he definitely led between him and Young Waku. <laughs> well, it's, as far as scoring points, but, you know. But a touchdown, I think it was Patterson, but I don't know the exact number. Okay. So, and then, then looking at the um, losses, um, you're going to help me with this name here. Is Foyasade, um linebacker went to the Jaguars? Olakun? Oh, <laughs> Foye Olakun? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's they, <laughs> I, wrote, I just copied and pasted his name. It's F O Y E S A D E. Foyasade, Foyasad, Foye, you know, but you said Foye, so we'll go with that. Yeah. Like, well, we we just had a linebacker. um, We just, he ended up, he finished out his rookie contract, so he's a free agent. I forget where he signed, but um, Yoel EA Booneyway. And he's like, just call me Iggy. Iggy, it is, bro. Every single time, it's Iggy. So, to go with the 38 syllable last name there, we'll just go with Iggy. That works for me. So, but he signed with the Jaguars and, and all due respect, I had no idea who he was until he signed for $45 million, uh, with, uh, Jacksonville. Um, so is this a guy that you're going to miss? Cause his, uh, salary would suggest that he is. Yes. He led the team in tackles. Okay. He actually led the league in tackles. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he was, he, he was a big part of. Of that defense, mm-hmm. and he yeah. and he will be missed. Well, yeah. the reason that I asked if he was worth it is because the Jaguars literally overpaid for everybody that they signed uh, in the offseason, like giving Brandon Scherf, who was an awesome offensive guard, seventeen million a season to go out there. Not to mention they gave Christian Kirk like twenty one million a season. Christian Kirk is not a twenty one million dollar receiver. Uh, a year. So I was just wondering, is this somebody who earned the money that he got or did, did Jacksonville just throw a boatload of money at him to come down there? They, they did that too. Right. They, they, <laughs> they did throw a boatload of money. Cause he was like, you know, why stay here when I can make all this money over there? Sure. So, right. you know, also the, you know, what is it? The, um, no income, no state income tax in, in, right. in Florida. So, so he's going to be bringing home a lot more of his money than he would someplace else. So, but, um, but he was a big part of our defense, so, right. so yeah. So and then um, Russell Gage goes to Tampa, so you got to see him twice a year 
uh, in division. And then what went, what happened with Hayden Hurst? Was that something that just didn't work out? Because it was kind of a big deal when you guys got him from Baltimore. Was that something that just didn't work out? Because now he's off to Cincinnati to play with the Bengals. Yeah, I wanted to keep him. Run that two tight end set. Sure. So, yeah, but I just don't think that uh, we, you know, we, as everyone knows, we we had we have cap situations. Sure. We have money situations here, thanks to Julio, and you know, and a few other people that you know we had to pay a lot of money. And I think hey, a lot of with the Hayden Hurst decision came down to money, and he he got more money to go elsewhere. So the Falcons, right. I don't think they could afford, we could afford to keep him. Sure. Right. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Just, just, just to recap on quarter Patterson, he had 11 t- 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 touchdowns last season. Okay. Nice. And those were, are those offensive touchdowns, or do you score some on special teams that got thrown into that? Uh, probably some on special teams that got thrown in that, but he had six six in the, on the ground and five in the air. Okay. Cool. All right. So there it was. Two double digits. I was right. Thank you very much. So so we, we, we touched on the draft a little bit before, but uh, let's start at the top with uh, Drake London, the first pick at number eight, uh, wide receiver out of USC. There was a lot of hype surrounding the wide receiver class and um, some surprise, I guess, from the analysts watching the draft that London was the pick for the Falcons. Were you guys surprised as well? Every that's your, that's I, your uh, guy. <laughs> I, I, I was surprised that they went with him, but I kind of heard through the grapevine that, that they were going to go receiver. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, that it was London, I'm fine with because it, me being a Cali boy, you know what I'm saying? I love my Trojans. Sure. So yeah. best of both worlds. I mean, he's, he's a Trojan and a Falcon. Can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and, and I, I'm happy with it too. Like I'm, I, I wasn't expecting to go wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Most of the fan base weren't, were, were, you know, weren't happy about that. Sure, you know, but uh, we thought we were going to go strictly defense. We're going to, you know, Georgia had a, the cream of the crop in the draft, so we were like, we got to get some Georgia guys here on the defense. But when they did that, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more the more as time goes on, I'm kind of happy about it now. Yeah, waited until the sixth round to grab some Georgia guys, though. Yeah, yeah. Bigger, uh, think about that. <laughs> so, but you know, you got the the defensive end, Ibikite, Kitty, Ibikitty. God damn! I, mean, I should have yeah, probably looked this up before we get started here. What's his last name? Ibikitty. Uh, Ibikitty. So I got it right. Oh, okay, good guess. Yeah. Defensive end out of Penn State, and then um, I'm, I'm thinking this is probably the guy. Troy Anderson, the linebacker from Montana State. This was the guy that basically played every position on the field before he got drafted in in Montana State. Is is this is that the right guy? Cuz there was a there was a guy, like he was a quarterback at one point, he was a DB, he played running back and he finished up as a linebacker and ended up being a second round pick. Played quarterback. Yeah, he played all that. Okay, so that is the guy that uh that I was thinking of. So I mean cuz there was a lot of uh hype around him like maybe if he'd stuck with the position he'd have been a first round pick for all the athletic talent uh that he has so is, is he going to be a linebacker for the falcons or are you going to test him out at one of the other many positions he's played over his short career from what i'm hearing um, linebacker yeah 
Yeah, and from what I'm hearing, though, I mean, I think everything's open on the table as far as what Arthur Smith is talking about. He's like, he's going to put the best player where he thinks they can shine the best. So I don't think anybody's pretty much slated outside of quarterback to a certain position. Yeah, and with the number scheme uh, in the NFL these days, who who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe you throw him in the backfield on short yardage or something like that, just yeah. for just for fun. Like he comes in wearing number six. Hey, there you go. Number six is in the backfield. Just give him the ball, kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. I think we're trying to be a lot more uh, versatile than we've been before, which is a different change for us. Sure, sure. A lot more rigid under the uh, yeah. Dan Quinn. Yeah, yeah. What would the discussion be like if I was like, yeah, Dan Quinn, new head coach of the Chicago Bears right now? Would I be getting a lot of warnings right now? <laughs> Beware of slogans, is what I would say. <laughs> no, he, he's, he's a guy who's really stuck in his ways. Mm-hmm. And and the way, the way he runs his defense, like if he has to control just one part of the team, then he's good with that. But if he has to if he wants to be, be head coach, defensive coordinator, the outside linebacker coach, then you got a problem on your hands. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's that's that's, what um, that's Wade Phillips right there. You know, <laughs> Wade, well, I mean, because Wade Phillips, one of the best defensive coordinators the league has ever seen, any place that he's gone, no matter what the talent level when he got there, was a, was a stellar top flight. Uh, defense, you know, and it was basically an overnight thing. As soon as they, as soon as you had Wade Phillips in the building, boom, mm-hmm. your defense improved literally overnight. But put him out in front as a head coach, right? Not so much, you know. And and I'm hoping that I'm wrong, but I thought Todd Bowles was going to be the next Wade Phillips because you know he was in it was in Arizona, he was in you know Tampa. You see the 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 way that his right. defense has performed. Put him out with right. the Jets. I mean, granted, it was the Jets, but still. Right. Goes out to the Jets, and he's out in front now. Not a lot of success uh, out there uh, in New York. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm wrong and that he proves me wrong with, you know, taking over in Tampa Bay for for Arians. But that's what I thought of when I saw uh, Todd Bowles. Like, you know, can he run a team? He went out to New right. York and kind of proved my point. Like, I thought he was more of a Wade Phillips type where, you know, somebody give him an off-defensive coordinator job because he's one of the best in the league. But when you put right. him out in front – that's where things start to go sideways uh, on you. Well, so. one, of the, one of the knocks on, the, on Dan Quinn here was, you know, from rumors and things that we heard, he was too much more of a player's coach mm-hmm. than an actual coach, hard-nosed coach towards these fellas. So, sure. And, you know, there were a lot of things that leaked out that suggested that, that he, you know, he's he tried to be too much of a, a player's coach, a friend to those guys instead of even when they were – stinking it up and embarrassing the hell out of him and us on television. Well, you know, I was I was kind of excited at the idea of Dan Quinn. I mean, we didn't necessarily bring in, like, the best of the best candidates as far as, like, blowing your hair back with who uh, who we ended up with. And of the candidates that we were kind of narrowed down, like, the top three, it was, like, Quinn and Eberflus and I think maybe, like, Leslie Frazier or Jim Caldwell or something like that. Not a lot right. to get excited about there. And because Eberflus is an unknown guy. He's had success as a coordinator in – and Indianapolis, we all know what we're getting out of Frazier or Jim Caldwell. And then Dan Quinn seemed to be the most intriguing of those because right. it would be his second chance because he had done so well with Dallas as a defensive coordinator out right. there. He knew what he did wrong in Atlanta and, you know, being in, in, in Chicago, give him a chance to kind of, you know, un, un, you know, right the wrongs that, that he couldn't fix 
uh, in Atlanta because right. it was almost like his tenure as head coach never recovered from uh, losing the Super Bowl to the to the Patriots and. You know, like he wanted another shot at it, and I thought, you know, this is as good a place as any for him to get that shot. But we right. wanted Eberflus, so we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely look forward to revisiting that. Well, I mean, the we, good uh, news is we play; show. we don't play until late November, so we'll have a pretty good idea what we got our hands, what we got on our <laughs> hands by the time uh, we see you guys. Like what week twelve, week eleven in uh, in November. Yeah. So. Just to wrap up your uh, wrap up your draft here, you know, obviously we talked about Desmond Ritter um, first pick in the third round. Then the the Matty Ice trade netted you D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky, another linebacker. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler uh, Algier from uh, BYU, a running back, and then your two Georgia guys, Justin Safer, the guard, John Fitzpatrick, the the uh, tight end. What do you what are you thinking about your day three uh, picks there? So obviously we talked about Ritter and. You know, maybe there's a plan in place for him to be a successor uh, eventually. But what about your other picks in day three? Harry, you want? Yeah, well, yeah. Tyler Aguilar. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get because he's going to be behind Cordell Patterson and Quadro Dolerson, I think his name is. Yeah. So, you know, he's just, you know, a placeholder, but. You know, Justin Safer might get some good playing time. He, he hopefully he turns out to be a decent pass rusher or or or, or, or at least a run stopper. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that D line just needs some help. So hopefully these guys can come in and make an impact. And hopefully Malone will be. I think we would use him more on the edge as a, and pass rush. Okay. So, uh, so hopefully that will help with, along with him and Epicetti. You know, hopefully we can get something out of that as far as any, getting to the quarterback. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sportsdrink. Spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. All right, and you guys liked your draft B+, plus. I think you guys said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we gave it a B plus. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I give it a B. They, they, they drafted what they needed, so it didn't even reach too much. So, now I will say this, being that I'm in SEC country, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know we we hope that it translates for this for our team because um, you yeah, know the big I hear about Drake London is that. Uh, um, he can't get no s- s- separation from DBs. I mean, he's six four, so okay. yeah. He, 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 you don't there. need too much separation. Just you know, he knows. Uh, uh, um, he knows how to high point the ball, right? And I heard he can grab anything out of the air. So that's yeah, his great. wingspan is, is ridiculous. So hope we can make up for the loss of uh, Julio and possibly. Calvin Ridley. Uh, about making up for Julio. So let's talk about Calvin Ridley real quick. What is 
what is the story? I mean, he misses like what two thirds of the season, if not more, because he needs to focus on his mental health. Okay, God bless. You know, good luck with that. But then the gambling thing cost him all of 2022. So by the time he comes back in 2023, he will have missed basically two full seasons. Kind of like um, you know our boy uh, Tariq Cohen. Unfortunately, he gets hurt against in that guy in the game against you guys week three of 2020. Yeah. Does not come back in 2021 at all. And then just a couple of weeks ago, he's working out. He blows out his Achilles live on Instagram uh, mm-hmm. while he's uh, working out. So he's done for 2022 as well. Mm-hmm. So when he finally plays next year, you know, supposing that he does, it would be Dang. almost three full seasons since he's played uh, a football game. Because our game against you guys in 2020 was week three. So, right. I mean, he's basically missed all of 2020, all of 2021. He will miss all of 2022, and if somebody takes a chance on him, it will be almost three full seasons since he's seen the field. So Calvin Ridley is going to be in that situation uh, as well. I mean, his contract's got to be coming up too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, the end of this season would be his rookie contract, but and and I mean, as far as his, his fifth-year option, I don't, I don't know if they're going to pick that up or not. So It doesn't seem like they are. It seems like Ridley... It's checked out. I mean, the antics off the field is was embarrassing enough, and I just don't think that they're going to bring him back. I don't know for sure, but I don't see the point. I don't think he will be a Falcon. I, I actually, I don't think he even wants to be here anymore. I mean, I think after Julio left, I think that kind of, you know, I don't think he was ready to be our number one receiver at the, at the time. Hmm. So I, I, I really don't think he'll be a Falcon. I don't think he had what it took to be a number one. Yeah. 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 He couldn't take, he could, he wouldn't, he it seemed like he was scared to take hits, you know? Yeah. And, and in a, in a profession where that's uh, part of the game, it's right. not a good thing. Exactly. So even in today's exactly. NFL where they don't, uh, don't hit them like they used to. Um, right. Cause during this off season, I, I, I did a special series of episodes called the retro rewind where you, you go back and watch an, an old school game. And I did a couple of games from, 85 and 86 and all I can say is those defensive players were savages back in on both sides not just the 85 bears when they were I mean dude to be on the ground yeah dude's laying down on the ground here comes somebody spearing him in the back of his head and no flags nobody's saying nothing nobody's pushing and shoving or anything like that it's like no all right you're okay get up dude let's go next play uh kind of thing it's like it was crazy so and um, not with even anywhere close to the kind of protection that these guys wear no. are wearing now, you know, at, at any level, whether it's the, the the league protecting the players or you know the right. level of of padding and the equipment and the technology that they had uh, right. back then, you know, not to mention the '85 Bears uh, were playing on uh, uh, astroturf and like that ugly, you know, parking lot painted green astroturf uh, back in the day. So I mean, it was brutal. I had I had an '85 Bear. On the show, Emery Moorhead, he played for the for the Bears in '85, and oh, wow. uh, you know I got a chance to talk to him, and he said um, that being on that field, like early on in the season, when it was still in the '80s and low '90s and stuff like that, was was like hell on earth because you would yeah. just come back in patches of skin. Would be, like you would wonder why guys would go out there in that weather and long sleeves and all that kind of stuff. Well, 
you know, take a look at Dan Hampton's forearms or his elbows or something. And, yeah. you know, the skin grafts that he's probably had to have in retirement to put skin back <laughs> on his body after playing on that surface. I mean, it was just, you know, the NFL <laughs> talks about player safety, but back then you didn't see much of it. Man, I, I, I've, I've met a couple players and, um, and, uh, um, doing like, um, I mean, we were doing like a photo shoot with 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 some uh, older players. I forget who who it was. Um, it wasn't Shannon Sharp, but um, I can't remember exactly who it was. But when we were doing a photo shoot with him, he held his hands up and all his fingers were crooked. Right. And he was talking about. He's like, "Yeah, this is from years of playing." And it's like, you can make a book just off photos of old players, or you know, or, or um. Retired players' fingers, man. They break their fingers and, and stuff like that constantly. Yeah, there was, was a like an old school player's name was Chuck Bidnarik, uh right. played for the um, Eagles back in the 60s. Yeah. And, you know, he was on NFL films a lot, and he had like another knuckle growing out of the knuckle he already had from all oh, of Jesus. the calcification and, and everything. And it was on like multiple fingers in his hands. If you ever, you know, find him. Uh, on on YouTube or something like that. Take a look at. I mean, he's gotten gnarly hands. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. I've seen that stuff firsthand. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> yeah, and back then they would just buddy tape them, send them back out there. Yeah, you know, just tape, oh, yeah. just tape the middle finger to the ring finger. Get back out there, bud. You know, rub some dirt on it. Get back out there. They just, uh, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was a it was a rough time, man. But it was a it was a great era of football, man. There was a lot of unbelievable talent back then. So, oh yeah. So let's yeah. move on to the uh, to the schedule um, for you guys. You start at home against the Saints, and um, then we go on the road. Ain't. Yeah, yeah, the Saints. What's the? St- I mean, you know what? I watched a um, a series of videos. Maybe you guys did too. It was on a, from a, on a, the Secret Base channel on YouTube. They did a seven part documentary on the history of the Atlanta Falcons. Hmm. I didn't see that. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you a link so you can dig into it. But uh, bring some popcorn because each one of these is like forty five minutes long. Oh wow! Okay, it, it's like binging <laughs> a Netflix show. You're going to be at it for a while. So, but it, uh, one of the things they talked about was how the Saints are the Falcons' biggest rivalry. And as much as of a you know amateur historian of the NFL, I am. That was the first I'd ever heard of that. I didn't really know that when it comes to the Saints, that's your that's your Green Bay Packers. Can't stand them. Yeah. Can't yeah. stand them. It, it, it's, it's, it's a real, it's not even a love-hate. It's a hate-hate <laughs> relationship. Yeah, that's pretty much what they said. That's pretty much what they said. So, I mean, is it, it because it, you guys so came in the league together? Because didn't you guys come in the league the same year in 66, something like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and, and see, that, that rivalry comes from the AFC, the, the, the AFC West, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> Back when alignment was really good, and, and the two southern, you know, southern southeastern teams were in the NFC West, that made a lot of sense. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no love lost with the Saints on uh, here in the, especially in Atlanta. Yeah, because that became like an emphasis as we got closer to modern times with Breeze being in New Orleans, and you know, Matt Matty Issa showing up, and then it became more of a a matchup with, you know, trading wins and losses and uh, and things like that and just going back and forth. Whenever there was a Saints game on the schedule, all of a sudden it was, uh, you know, focusing on 
what uh, you know how it went down because it usually decided the division uh, in the NFC yeah. South. So it was. Uh, he- he could lose every single game, yeah. and as long as we beat the Saints, I'm good. Exactly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I know the feeling. The here. Well, that's that's what that's what you used to say about uh, my high school rival. Uh, I went to yeah. Evanston in the Chicagoland area, and our rival was Nutrier. And we we only played nine games a season. If we lost eight of them, but we beat Nutrier and went one and eight, we would have a parade because like we won the state title because. We beat those dirty ass Trevians and sent them home uh, hap- unhappy. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, I get that for sure. I don't know if we Chicago call, would feel the stinky, same way. We, we, we call it Stinky Town. Stinky Town. <laughs> like, oh, oh, we got Stinky Town coming. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not very interested in going down to New Orleans to visit. Uh, I'm not much of a traveler. I mean, I love a good road trip, but as far as like traveling to go and see places, New Orleans is not on the list because number one. I'm a big guy, so heat right. is my enemy. And not only do you have heat in New Orleans, you have humidity as well. So, yeah. you know, it would they just stink. yeah, you, you stink. You, the, the The air sticks to you. You're you know you're sweaty, and you know it's just it's disgusting. And then who who needs that? <laughs> you know, exactly. you can't pull any ladies when you're doing that down there. You got sweat spots on your armpits and down the middle of your chest and all. That's <laughs> not good. It's not good. So. Anyway, week one, home against Saints to start things off. <laughs> then at the Rams, at the Seahawks, um, weeks two and three. That kind of feels like a uh, we're going to stay out here this week kind of trip to you yeah. know to stay you know go out there and play the Rams and then to fly all the way back to Atlanta, then fly all the way back to Seattle. That feels like yeah we're going to hang out and uh, you know at this Division three school for a week and instead of flying all the way back to Atlanta as part of the schedule. Yeah, I just wish that wish that um, that that game in LA was a lot closer to to home to to, to like in the in the schedule being so early. I won't be able to make that game, which which sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, an interesting uh, problem that you that you have. I mean, it's with the living out of your team's market. You know, them coming to you doesn't happen. Uh, very often luckily it's a uh it's an nfc market that you're in um so you know it happens quicker um but uh you know still at at the worst it's once every three years your team plays the team in your market it's only the games i try to catch are are the chargers since since the chargers are in la but but when they were in san diego you know said i would go down there i would catch the rams i would catch the raiders i would catch San Francisco. So pretty much the whole West Coast, I would try to hit those games. Nice. So then you come home for Cleveland. And um, where were you guys at on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? Were you excited about that? Maybe possibly bringing him in? Did you not want the headache and deal with the messiness that was going to come with that? Um, How were you guys feeling about Watson being a strong possibility for the Falcons there for a little while? I was on the fence with it. Yeah. The fan base here, I mean, the majority of the fan base, was, were they were very excited about it. Sure, sure. You know, because we have, you know, Ryan Dahart, and then we have people that are waiting for a change that, that were over it. So a lot of people were disappointed that it that didn't work out. I'm kind of glad it didn't because he still has issues that he's dealing with, and he wouldn't even hope probably wouldn't play uh, this season, so yeah. Not to mention, 
the contract he got from the Browns still love Mike Vick. Yeah. So that's where that comes from. Sure. You know, they wanted Ryan out and bring in, bring in Watson because they wanted that Mike Vick era all over again. Sure. And we, on our podcast, we tried to, you know, nail that, you know, bring that home that, that the Vick era is over and done. You know, it's done. (laughs) You know, this guy's not even playing football anymore. It won't happen again for a while with someone else, but it's done. We have Matt Ice, and be happy that we have that guy that's only missed one game the entire time he was here. Right. Yeah, it's um, like you said, the fan bases can be fickle. So, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't take much for you know for some people for people to fall out of favor. I mean, here we are in Chicago. People are ready to move on from Justin Fields after the first year, but it's like, dude. Did you watch what happened last year? It's like every, you know, everything that he exactly. did, everything that he did was in spite of Matt Nagy, not because of him. You know, the the moments that he had where he showed his brilliance it was basically those backyard, those schoolyard plays where he broke the pocket and then he was doing amazing things when it was just yeah. him, you know, playing football as opposed to him trying to do what Nagy had schemed up because it never worked. It never worked. So I mean, it's just. How are you ready to write him off already as a bust? It's like, as far as I'm concerned, this is rookie year part two. As far you know, like what we're really going to get out of Justin Fields and, and see what we're going to do uh, with him. So, you know, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, you guys should hold on for him a little longer, man. He's, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all in favor of that. I mean, it's just <laughs> you know this this was a fantasy guy. I never thought we could get our hands on. He falls into our lap, and then people are like, nah. Whatever, yeah. seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. He's a bust. Get rid of him. Like, okay, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll be over here on the bandwagon when he's got twenty-five touchdowns and thirteen interceptions this year. When you know, when we're running an actual offense uh, in twenty twenty-two. <laughs> you know, maybe we won't win many games, but we're gonna look like a, look like a better football team this year. I think so. Right. right. So. But anyway, you know, Cleveland that uh, week four matchup is the potential of having Deshaun. Uh, come back mm-hmm. to town, uh, and like right. I mentioned before, I, I think maybe the biggest deterrent for for you guys would have been the the fully guaranteed two hundred and thirty million dollar contract that he got from the Browns, yeah. which I thought, you know, pardon my language, was batshit insane. Uh, <laughs> that he be the one that gets that contract, yeah. you know, of all the people that are worthy of it, like Watts or excuse me, Mahomes and. Uh, you know, and, and those guys that to, to get one of those mega fully guaranteed contracts and it's Watson, right? you know, all the talent in the world that, you know, obviously talent wise, he deserves every penny of that money, but the situation that he's in, you're going to guarantee it all. That is crazy, man. That's pretty that is desperate. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention they gave up like 68 draft picks. It's like the Herschel Walker trade all over again. So we'll, uh, we'll see, see how that works out. Cleveland seems like a team that, you know, they they just this they, they they can't get right, man. They're just they'll try anything and everything, <laughs> you know. Yeah. To make it work, and, and that was the reason why he chose the Browns instead of Atlanta because he was going to come to Atlanta. That was his that was his pick. Yeah. He's a hometown boy. You know what I'm saying? He, when he was a ball boy, he, you know what I'm saying? He was a ball boy for Atlanta. So, yeah. if it wasn't for the Browns coming in the last minute with the, with that guaranteed money. He, he would have chosen Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, uh, I don't know if you guys are Marvel fans, but that'd be a pretty interesting episode of what if 
uh, right there. <laughs> so it would have been, yeah, yeah. What if? Right. It's, <laughs> all that. All that. All those shows are all, all off the chain, man. I, I can't wait for. Uh, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's just it's all good stuff. I, I can't wait for. <laughs> I yeah. she hoped. Did you guys see um, uh, Doctor Strange in the? Oh, dude, I was there Avengers. day one. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> oh, opening weekend. Oh. I was there, man. I was Friday, <laughs> May sixth. I know, but without getting off topic, I love that movie. I saw it at the IMAX, but I can't wait to watch it in the comfort of my own home on my projector, with some assistance of, uh, let's just say, uh, some things that really enhance it because it's such a far out <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> cannot wait good luck with that i'm gonna expect a full synopsis online when that's done <laughs> for sure you know i want to know what going through that paint dimension was like for you when you were going through that so i know right I'm gonna, I'm gonna love my popcorn on that one hell yeah <laughs> so hey man sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah that guy knows how to put it together that's for sure if he's trying to trip you out that's the guy to go to for sure Oh, yeah. So, He's been doing that since the early 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so week five, we're, we're at Tampa Bay. First matchup with the uh, with the Buccaneers and then home for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. On the road to Cincy to take on the Bengals and home for Carolina. So you got two divisional matchups uh, uh, in there. What, what do you think right. Atlanta's place in the division is this year? Is it is it second place? Because I think Tampa's kind of holding it down at number one. Right now, New Orleans is still kind of up in the air, and you know Carolina is a mess, you know, and you guys are are, are rebounding. So you know, yeah, Carolina's worse off than us. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Tampa and the Saints are the, are the only two teams I'm worried about in the you know what I'm saying in the, in the, mm-hmm. inside that division because their their defense they added some key pieces their their offense they draft they got some good draft picks, good free agents. So that that's the only team I'm worried about. Yeah, same here, man. I mean, you know, New Orleans not as much anymore. You know, Sean, Sean is gone, and um, they're have they're pretty much kind of like we are. You know, they don't have money to pay people, right? So uh, we're kind of almost on a level playing field. So that should be interesting. So the Saints are going to come up against it at one point, man. They were seventy million over the cap, and somehow they got it down and had money left over. Because yeah. they were restructuring contract, kicking the can down the road. You know, it was like dude's got a five year contract, but he's going to be on the books for ten because of how yeah. we're spreading out this. I mean, that's going to, and then actually, that's what we Bear fans are waiting for uh, with Green Bay because mm-hmm. they did not have fifty million dollars a year to pay Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be paying him like uh, Bobby Bonilla gets paid a million dollars every year by the Mets for the next thirty <laughs> years because they're just kicking the can. Uh, down the road is like they're going to have to pay the piper eventually and take that cap hit so they can start right. over. That's going to happen to the Saints uh, eventually, and then I don't understand how the NFL keeps allowing it that they, yeah. you know that they would allow that to happen. Either you have the money or you don't. How is it you keep pushing this money down the road, paying this dude when he's not even on the team anymore? I, I don't understand how that uh, how that works. But there are some teams going to have to pay the piper eventually, and it's going to hurt them real bad when they do. That's why I can't wait till till next year because our our free agent money hits a hundred mil, so we'll be yeah set. ours too. Yeah, we're like ninety to one hundred and ten at this point is like projected yeah. uh, for us uh, too. So we'll be able to we'll be competing for some free agents next year. Oh, yeah. So, oh, here we go. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So 
Uh, after Carolina, you're home for the Chargers, and then your one primetime game, as of this moment anyway, is the Thursday nighter at Carolina, week number 10. Then uh, the Bears come to town, week number 11, um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to see if you guys can avenge that uh, loss we laid on you, week number three <laughs> uh, in 2020. So uh, we needed Nick Foles, of all people, to come and save us on that one. But, uh, you know, it's, it also cost us Tariq Cohen, so I think we... We broke even uh, that weekend. <laughs> and then uh, at Washington, and then home for the Steelers before the week 14 bye. We got the same same bye week this year. We got a week 14 bye uh, as well. How, where you guys land on, on, on bye weeks? You're, you an early bye week guy, midseason, late year 14 like this? Where, where you guys sitting on that one? Um, it's it's kind of a of a, of a iffy iffy thing because you, I, you go so long without a break, but then that break comes at the end, towards the end of the season, so, so they have time to rest and refresh and, and heal up sure. to hopefully make a push for the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that uh, you know with this eighteen week schedule and a week fourteen bye, your bye week doesn't come until the weekend of December eleventh. You know, yeah. to, to be in the final month of the season before you yeah. finally get a bye week. I mean, granted, you have the that quote unquote mini bye week ten when you play Carolina. You know, you right. have a ten day break between the Panther game before you play the Bears uh, in in November. But the, for your for your true bye, where you basically got two day two weeks off essentially, or a full week off, and then another week of uh, preparation for the next opponent. It's uh, for it to come yeah. in December. That's rough. You know, you got to play 13 yeah. games before you get a break. That's tough. Yeah, that is kind of rough. It's going to be tough, but hey, you know, it's going to show what we're working with and what we have on this team. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, at that point, uh, you know, be sure if if you're if you're looking to finish strong in 2022, are you getting ready for 2023? That's always the the interesting, interesting caveat of that last month of the season to see where everybody's at, you know, or are you playing that guy that's been on the bench and maybe we got to see what we got with him or we got to pay this other dude uh, kind of thing. Or, or, or are you like, Nope, I want all my best players on the field at all times. We're trying to make a run at this thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so last month of the season, you, you're, you're two road games, two home games. You're at it at New Orleans at Baltimore and then home for the Cardinals and then home for the Buccaneers to, to finish things out. So not asking yeah. for a record, but where do you guys think the Falcons are going to land this year? You know, like ballpark. Oof. Uh, I'm going to say third in the, third in the division. Okay. Maybe 500. Maybe 500. Even though Maybe that's 500. mathematically impossible nowadays, man. <laughs> we got 17 games. There is no more five. Well, the hell, they could tie one and go eight, eight, and one. How's that sound? Does that work for you? That works. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at about eight, eight to nine wins. This okay, season. that works so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was just teasing you, bro. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we're at this point, man. We're just like we 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 have no idea what to expect this season since we've been through what we've been through yeah. for the last few years. New coaching, new players, new quarterback. You know, everything's new except for the owner, you know, our owner. So mm-hmm. <laughs> new GMs. So, um, you know, we're just all we can go off is what we saw in the draft and hopefully what veterans we have left. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, continue to keep the 
the team going. Hopefully, Cardell will have another great season. But um, it's, it's hard to tell, man. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've got in trouble before in the past for like, <laughs> oh, we've had it. This is our season. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that was us, twenty nineteen. Yeah. You know, after we had that amazing first season under Nagy in twenty eighteen. You know, 12 and four, we had, you know, best defense on the planet and all the rest yeah. of that stuff. But here we are year two, you know, yeah. it's a year two for Mitch in the system. And, you know, all these guys that we that were all free agents and coming in, playing together for the first time in 2018. We won 12 right. games. These dudes playing together for the first time. Imagine what right. it's going to be like when they've had a whole offseason to work together. Then we come out week one against the Packers and stink the joint up. Lose ten yeah. to three on national TV. Mitch lost his mojo and he never got it back uh, after yeah. that. So I mean, hell, against the against you guys, week three, that uh, that near pick six was put him on the bench. That was it for him yeah. in Chicago after that. So you know, yeah. it, uh, yeah. So I know, I know about like this is our year. This is our year. <laughs> yeah. This is happening. We're gonna be in the Super Bowl. We're gonna make a deep run. Green Bay can kiss our ass and everything. Like nope, <laughs> nope. Nope, yeah. eight and eight, and we're lucky to be that. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know man. how that feels. Question about what happened to y'all last season, and and the whole. How do you feel about the whole Aaron Rodgers? Uh, uh, we own you. I own you. Well, there, there's deals. two things. There's two things that number one. There's how I felt personally, which was, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you you can't argue with it, but at the same time, how dare you? You know what I'm saying? How are you going to come in our house and say that to us like that? You know, it's like, where do you get the balls to do that? But the biggest problem I had was not so much that he said it, but that he basically got away with it. Because when, when they asked Matt Nagy about it, when they asked other players about it, they were like, well, you're not wrong. It's like, doesn't matter if he's not wrong. Why aren't you guys pissed off? You know, you get to play him again which means right. you can avenge what he said, but nobody said that. You know, you know who were pissed off? X-Bears. Olin Krutz, who I talked about before, these guys that do, like, the after shows and they go on the radio, and they like, those guys were fuming that Aaron right. Rodgers said that. He's like, if right. Olin Krutz said, if I see Aaron Rodgers, I'd have punched him in the face. Like, how dare you? <laughs> you know, I don't give a damn if you're 22-5 and five against the Bears. You don't say that. You know, that's total disrespect. And that was the problem that I had was that basically it was like, you know, water off a duck's back as far as the Bears reaction to it. You know, and it's like as if I needed another reason to hate Matt Nagy. He was like, yeah, well, it was just no big deal. And, you know, he's he's not wrong. And it's like, I don't care if he's not wrong. We know, we know that he's beaten us 22 out of 27 games in his time. We know that. Okay, we know we can't beat this guy, but it's not okay that he said it and you're acting like it's okay and that is not okay. You know, right. that was more of the problem that I had than anything else. You yeah. know, it's like it was heat of the moment. He was responding. He was uh, basically, he was getting flipped off by like a whole section of fans. So that was him right. responding to them. So heat of the oh, moment, okay. just had a dagger of a touchdown that basically put the game away. I get it. You know, right. I get it. But then the response to it, and, you know, the way that the players and our head coach responded to it made me sick to my stomach, man. It's like, where's, where's the, where are your balls, man? Come on, help me out here. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you guys suiting up for every Sunday? If this is how you're just going to act I'm like, no, man, you know, so I'm hoping that those days are over and that we've, we've got a new guy uh, in charge and uh, we'll see how it goes. Right. Like, cause you mentioned before, you don't know what to expect and right. we don't know what to expect. 
right. for the second year in a row. We didn't know what to expect last year. We got a lame deck coach, a lame duck uh, general manager. We got this rookie quarterback, but we signed Andy Dalton. So we don't know what's going on here. We got a brand new rookie defensive coordinator uh, and mm-hmm. everything. We don't know what to expect, and we're not looking forward to basically any of it. This year, it's the <laughs> other way around. New head coach, new general manager, second-year right. uh, quarterback. We, we Free agent, we brought in a bunch of like depth piece guys and things like that. Nobody that's really going to move the needle. As far as like, ooh, we signed him, but we also brought in a brand-new offensive coordinator who's saying all the things we've been dying to hear from Matt Nagy, which is, we're going to put our guys in the best position to succeed. We're going to tailor right. the offense to our players to see where we go from there, as opposed to watching, you know, you know, Nagy run around in the dark for the last four seasons. So right. it's it's we don't know what to expect, but we're optimistic as opposed to last year, where it's just like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. We could go one in sixteen. We could go fourteen and three. I wouldn't be surprised either way, just because of how crazy things go uh, yeah. in the NFL and how you know Nagy could probably pull one out of his ass and save his job. Uh, which would be, you know, it's like, I don't want to sign up for another year of this, but, you know, thankfully he didn't do well. He's gone. Clean slate. We're moving yeah. on. So that's uh, that's yeah. where we're at with that. So. We're very familiar with that scenario, sure. sir. So, so guys, this was uh, this was so much fun. I appreciate you guys coming back on. Of course, we look forward to having you on uh, in November to preview week 11 Bears at uh, Falcons, and where can we keep up with you guys in the meantime? Hey, man, you know, you can check us out at um, Sports Drink. All right. You know, and, uh, you know, it's, it took me a while to get used to that. I'm used to saying armchair, armchair yeah. American. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely hit us up, you know, on Twitter at, at What's Up Falcons. You know, we're there all the time, and we would love for anyone to just shoot us a comment, you know, and uh, check us out, man. And we also have uh, our YouTube um, site and uh, we're putting up some videos and stuff and uh, so just check us out in all those places yeah one of these days i'm going to step up and, and join the rest of the world in technology wise and get a camera and put my <laughs> ugly mug out there and see how many hits i can get and uh yeah so well, maybe we'll uh figure that as out far someday. as we go we you know it's it's four or five of us and i'm the only one that will show up on cameras so. <laughs> these guys well i can't see them there. so it's you and four icons on the screen at the same time right pretty much yeah <laughs> am i wrong aries <laughs> no, no not at all not at all i mean that's why that, that, that i have my abby where you know so you see my face but, yeah. but you don't see my face it's, I appreciate that. <laughs> you can be anyway out there. You got crust in your eye. You got a booger hanging out your nose, but it's just the icon on the screen. So that's all I got to worry about. Right, right. <laughs> Smoke everywhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let hey, me know how that Doctor Strange thing goes. I'm interested to see how that uh, how that weird ass movie shows up when you're enhanced in a certain way. So I will give you a full report. Sounds good. Well, guys, thanks so much uh, for uh, for joining us. Like I said, we'll see you later on uh, down the road when we're previewing the game. Same here, Larry, right, and we're definitely going to reach out reach out to you and have you on as a as a guest this season as well. If you're interested, awesome, man, can't wait. As always, I want to thank my guests, Rock and Aries, from the What's Up Falcons. 
uh, podcast. Um, looking forward to talking to those guys again uh, when uh, when game time uh, rolls around. Looking forward to them making good on that invitation uh, to have me on their show. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you know, just waiting to happen uh, on that one. You know, and of course, we'll be talking to them week number 11 as the Bears travel down to Atlanta to take on the Falcons and the Mercedes-Benz uh, Dome down there in Atlanta. And, um, you know, very interested to see where we'll be at, you know, both teams, as a matter of fact, uh, looking to see where they're, you know, where the, what do the records look like? What does, you know, is the Lou Getze offense working? Is the Allen Williams defense uh, anything like what Eberflus is putting together in Indianapolis? How is Eberflus working out in that first season? When we play each other November 20th, we'll have a pretty good idea uh, of what we are looking at. So uh, looking forward to having those guys uh, back on during the season and uh, meeting up with them on theirs. Can't wait to hear how the Dr. Strange uh, experiment goes with the quote-unquote enhancements uh, that we were talking about. Um, I actually dropped him uh, a DM the other day saying that uh, I, I read online that uh, Dr. Strange and in the uh, Multiverse of Madness will be on Disney Plus June 22nd. So get your enhancement ready. You got two weeks to get ready uh, for that and uh, you'll be able to enjoy yourself on many levels uh, watching that one. And hopefully the enhancement doesn't freak him out too much because this is a pretty crazy movie, uh, you know, like like we were talking about during the interview. Uh, Sam Raimi is known for for putting some pretty wild stuff uh, on screen with the Evil Dead series and um, Army of Darkness, excuse me, not Evil Dead, but Army of Darkness uh, series and, and, uh, you know, those movies. And, uh, yeah, should be interesting. So, but um, anyway, great conversation with those guys. Had a lot of fun uh, talking to them, looking forward to talking to them and and possibly the rest of the crew because I believe – it's a four-man show, so, um, you know, we'll uh, see if we get the whole crew on uh, in November or if it'll just be Rockin' Aries again or, or whatever combination of, of the guys that we'll have uh, on the show. So, anyway, that closes the book on the Atlanta Falcons for now. Up next, our third and final same-place opponent, the San Francisco 49ers, who were one game away from the Super Bowl. And, and it, you know, it's funny. When, uh, you know, an Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals uh, podcast, or formerly of the Better Rivals podcast, it, uh, they, they put it to, uh, they retired the podcast this season, he says. Um, but when we spoke to him last year, ahead of our Week 7 matchup with the 49ers, the, better, the Bears, record-wise, were the better of the two teams. We were 3-3. Three and three. We had just lost to uh, the Packers the week before, and... Uh, the 49ers, as a matter of fact, after a 2-0 and start, had lost four straight coming into that matchup. So they were kind of reeling uh, at the time. They, um, you know, were, were, were looking for uh, a way to rebound and um, came into Chicago. And, and Jimmy G worked some of his hometown magic against the Bears. They pulled out the win and went like 8-2, and 8-3 and three the rest of the way. Uh, down the stretch to to finish 10 and 7 make the playoffs and then when they got into the playoffs made a solid run and just came a few plays short of winning the NFC championship over the Rams and going to the Super Bowl to play the Bengals for the third time in Super Bowl history so uh, it was quite a turnaround for a team that it was suffering four losses in a row coming into Chicago to be a few plays away from going to the Super Bowl being that team that sent the Packers home 
uh, early with the Robbie gold and, you know, just, that was beautiful. I love that so much. But, um, anyway, we talked to Oscar about that, what the future of the team looks like with, uh, you know, cause it's full steam ahead with Trey Lance and still looking for a trade partner with, with Jimmy Garoppolo and things like that. So tune in on Thursday when we talk to Oscar about the 49ers and, uh, close the book on our same place opponents. And then we'll move forward with the AFC East starting with uh, Michael Nania and the New York Jets. So uh, anyway, come back on Thursday for the 49ers and we'll close the book on the same place opponents. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.